a few weeks ago, uh, my family and I, we were in Illinois for the weekend visiting my parents right in the heart of central Illinois. And uh, my wife is always looking for some creative things to do with our kids, uh, something uh, new to do with, with our parents. And uh, my wife on the Internet discovered that there's a farm just outside of Springfield. There are lots of farms, but there's this one particular farm where you can pay uh, to take your family to help do the evening chores. Now, that's enough said for some of you, because I've shared that with some of you that have grown up on farms. And you're like, why in the world would you ever pay to go do evening chores on a farm? Well, we went and did it and our kids absolutely loved it. And we've got a one-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old, and we, we slopped the pigs. And I wish you could have seen the expression on my one-year-old's face as we went into this, this little pig barn or whatever you call pig barns these days, and, and just the smell that was coming from there. And we fed the goats, and uh, we, we watered the cows, and, and the farmer called them in that night. We went in. Uh, Joel was so excited because he caught a chicken. You know, he was able to catch a chicken in the chicken coop and pick it up and hold it, and we collected the eggs, and we fed the horses and everything, and, and we, we got to play this part in helping this particular family uh, with the evening char, ch- uh, chores for the low cost of $5 a person, and, uh, and it was a great experience, and, you know, we're, we're all about giving great experiences to our kids, you know, I mean, we love our kids, you love your kids, uh, we're, we're committed to giving our kids great opportunities when it comes to life and, and sports uh, vacations and, and friends and all that, but but there's one thing uh, that that I that is so important to to Jenny and I as we think about raising our children. Well, actually, two things. Uh, the first is that they would know they would know and love Jesus Christ with their life. Uh, we feel like that is our our first and foremost our most important mission as parents. And and these parents standing up here on the stage today, that's what they're saying with their life too. But but secondly. Um, I want to, my wife, we, we want to teach our children what it means to serve and what it means to serve Jesus. And, and I can't say that we were intentional necessarily in that farm experience, but it makes for a good illustration that, that we want our kids to know and love Jesus, but we want them to know what it means to serve Jesus with their whole life and their whole heart. You know, as we think about what's next, you know, as you think about what's next for your life, uh, this morning what I want you to hear is that you and I have been called to serve. You and I have been called to serve. We've been talking about over these last weeks what it means to follow Jesus. And and two weeks ago, we talked about what it means to live a life of of care, what it means to live a a life of compassion, that our heart is moved towards people in need. Uh, Last week, we talked about generosity. And this morning, I want to talk with you briefly about what it means to take on the heart of a servant, to model the life of Jesus Christ. And we don't have a lot of time this morning, and so we get a shorter sermon experience today, which we can all applaud for. But, but we'll start today uh, with, with some thoughts on service. I'm going to leave you with some questions at the very end, and then we'll come back to this as we wrap up our series next week, kind of putting into practice what does it mean to be a servant? What does it mean to share our faith in day-to-day life? First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 21 is kind of our thread for this series. Uh, Peter's writing here. He says, hey, here's what it looks like to follow Jesus. Uh, Here's what the Christian life looks like. He says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Now, here's what Peter's saying, that there is a life made available to every one of us, to every person who calls Jesus Christ their Lord. And it's, it's not an optional life. It's not an optional life. It's something that we're called to. It's a life of purpose. It's a life that's modeled for us in Jesus Christ, that we are called to follow his example, and we are called to follow in his steps. Now, I want to take one uh, very important look at this, uh, this today, one very important example of this. In fact, 
next to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, I believe that this is one of the most important teaching moments uh, that Jesus offers to us that we find in Scripture. And I, w- I want to look at the story of Jesus and his disciples in John chapter 13. And if you've got your Bibles and you want to go there, go there now to John chapter 13. Let me kind of set up the scene for you to help you understand what's happening here. Uh, In John chapter 13, it's here that we find Jesus and his disciples eating dinner together. Now, nothing wrong or unusual about that. We all like to get together with friends and and eat. But this meal happens to be a very special meal. In fact, we know it to be a sacred meal. It's the Last Supper that these guys, that these disciples and Jesus shared before Jesus was ultimately led away and crucified. And we find out a little bit more about the topic of conversation that was going on at this particular table if we actually look to Luke's, the uh, the gospel writer Luke, to his account of the story. In Luke, we find that these disciples aren't just simply having a discussion, but they're really having a disagreement. They're having an argument. And guess what they're arguing about? These disciples, these men who have been following Jesus and watching his example are, are arguing over who's the greatest. That sounds like a good man conversation over dinner, doesn't it? I mean, we do it in all sorts of different ways, but, but who's the greatest here? And, and, and you can kind of sort of picture these guys as they're arguing around the table. I mean, there's Matthew. I mean, Matthew was a tax collector. He's making his case. Hey, guys, come on. You know, I, I, I've been responsible for taking care of the money, and I've opened up all these doors of opportunities, and with my fiscal responsibility, we've had all of these other options available to us. You know, I, I can make the case. I'm the greatest. But then there's the disciple John, and he responds by saying, okay, I get that, but how many of you were on the mountaintop uh, when Jesus was glowing and all of a sudden Moses appeared and Elijah appeared? appeared? Oh, that's right, none of you were. It was me, you know, I'm the greatest. Or or maybe there was Peter, and and Peter spoke up, and he said, you know, that's a good example. How about, you remember that night we were out on the boat, and, and Jesus came walking out across the water, and we all got out of the boat and walked on water? Oh, wait, that's right. None of you else did. I did. You know, I was the one walking out on the water with Jesus. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm the greatest here. And so you kind of get this picture of what's taking place before this sacred meal, and it kind of adds to the drama of what happens next. Look at John chapter 13, beginning in verse 2. It says, The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Now, there's a lot to to say, a lot to understand from these few verses, but most importantly, here's what I want you to see and know and realize from the very beginning, and that is that Jesus knew that he was going to die. And Jesus knew that he was going to die. He, he knew that he was standing face to face with the final hours of his life, that soon he would be tortured and eventually taken away and crucified. He knew that there was one present in the room at this particular moment who was going to betray him, Judas Iscariot, as, as the verses have just shown us. You know, this guy Judas had been following Jesus and all the others for the past three years. I mean, he's in the same room for this final supper on this final night. And one other thing. As we read here, Jesus knew and understood that he was the son of God. As the scripture clearly said, he had come from God and he was returning to God. I mean, with this, Jesus knew and, and he realized that in himself, he attained every bit of power that the father attained, that the father held on to. And if I'm Jesus and I'm watching all of these events unfold in the room, I'm pretty certain that I would have reacted a bit differently 
in this whole situation. I mean, Jesus is about to kneel and to wash the feet of each of the disciples in the room. You know, if it were me, I'd pull Judas aside first. I'd get him around the collar and put my finger in his face and say, hey, pal, you have no idea the opportunities and the second chances that I've given to you for the past three years. You know, I'm not going to forget this. Or or you think Jesus, in in knowing what was ahead of him, you know, he'd take a seat right at the table and say, hey, I'll tell you what, how about you guys serve me for the next couple of hours? You have no idea what the weekend holds for me. You know, I deserve to be served over these next couple of hours. I mean, it's a famous scene. I mean, you know, Jesus, he knew that he would be betrayed. He knew that he would be tried and beaten and executed. But in this moment, he had nothing to prove. Or did he? I mean, what did he do? I mean, it's a famous scene. And I think we get it. But at the same time, I I don't really think we do. I, I don't think we get it. I mean, with all of these guys present in the upper room, Jesus did exactly what he came to do. He served. He he took off his outer garment, as the scripture said, he, he grabbed the towel and he tied it around his waist and he prepared to wash the feet of his disciples. Now we have a hard time understanding the shame found in such a task here. You know, in first century Jewish culture, this was slave work. You can't say it any other way. This was the job for a servant. Servants washed feet, but not this time. Jesus, the guest of honor, the teacher, the rabbi, the master in the room, he was tying a towel around his waist the same way that a servant or a slave would tie a towel around their waist. And the disciples, they're just absolutely shocked in this moment as they sat wondering what was going on. But for Jesus, it was simple. He came to serve. Now, what does this look like for you and me? Oh, and what does this mean for Genesis Church? You and I are called to serve. You can say it however you like. We could come up with more eloquent words than that. But you and I, in our lives as followers of Jesus, have been called to serve. Every one of us. And if you're a Christian, if you call Genesis Church your home, then you and I are called to serve. I mean, we serve when we come together on Sundays. We're, we're called to serve in other ways in our life, the other six days of the week. This is the life that Jesus has called us to. And it raises a great question and a question that I hope that you'll write down and take with you this week. Something to think about. Here it is. Are you here at Genesis to serve or to be served? Now, what is your reason for calling this church your home, for being a part of this church? Are are you here to serve with us and alongside of us? Or are you here to be served? And just be honest in it. We won't ask you to say your answer out loud. But are you here to join in the work that God is doing in this church as we seek to ask and to help people find their way back to God? Or for you, is this whole experience just kind of this consumer kind of a deal where you come in every week and get a message in four songs and, and go home and, and hopefully feel good about yourself? Friends, you and I, you know, Genesis Church, we are called to serve and and one of the things that we just happen to do here at Genesis is we spend a lot of time talking about it. I mean, we're, we're real. We're, we're authentic. We're striving to be what Jesus has called us to be. We're called to serve. John 13, verse 5. Jesus has got this towel wrapped around his waist. It says this, after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet 
and drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, again, to understand the role that Jesus takes on here, you have to try and understand the context of the situation because in first century Palestine, there were no paved roads. There were no bike paths, all right, and there were no sidewalks. I mean, in first century Palestine, all roads leading to Jerusalem were dirt. I mean, we're talking lots of dust. When it rained, it was very muddy. And not only were people using these roads, but animals were using these roads too. You know, and you can use your imagination there trying to understand. It doesn't take much. The people had some nasty feet. All right. And every time you showed up into someone's home, it was appropriate to wash your feet or to have them washed. And whatever the disciples walked through that day, it was on the bottom of their feet. They wore sandals. Right? And so you can see why foot washing was so important. But more than that, you can see why this task was the task of a slave or a servant. I mean, no one volunteered for this job. I mean, the, the, the work went to a slave and not even typically in most situations, a Jewish slave, but even a foreign slave. Like this work was even above the work of a Jewish slave. The lowest man on the totem pole got this job, but not on this occasion. John thirteen five. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. Now, you can try and feel and understand the tension in the room. I mean, the disciples know their part. It wasn't unusual to have your feet washed. They know who performs the task. Again, it's the job of a servant, not the teacher. But instead, here's Jesus, you know, the teacher, the rabbi, the master, the son of God, and he's washing the feet of his disciples. And if you read on in this particular chapter, when it comes to Peter's turn, it's almost like you can hear the trembling in his voice as he says, I, I can't let you do this for me. You, you can't wash my feet. It's not your responsibility. And Jesus says, Peter, I have to wash your feet. You know, because unless I wash your feet, you can't have a part with me. At the very end of this section, in verses 14 and 15, Jesus said, you know, that this moment was over. Every foot had been washed. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And don't miss those words there. These are Jesus' very own words. I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Sound familiar? Back to First Peter 2.21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. I mean, we, we are called to this, meaning it doesn't come naturally. It's not the way of the world. I mean, because of this, we have to be called to it. It's the life that we have been invited into and called to by God. We have been called to care and show compassion. You and I, as followers of Jesus, we've been called to, to generosity with our time and our talents and our treasures. And as we see here this morning, you and I have been called to serve. Jesus has set an example that we should seek to follow in our homes, our marriages, our neighborhoods, you know, the locker room, your office. You know, when we're with people that we know and people that we don't know. And as we think about this call to service and as we think about the posture that our Savior was willing to take that night when he knelt down to wash feet. I, I just want to close with just a few questions real quick. 
to kind of get your mind working around some things. And we're going to unpack these a little bit more next week for some application and such. But these are three questions for you to work through this week that you can write down and take if you'd like. Uh, I'll put them out on our Facebook page this week. And if you're part of our Facebook group, uh, join in the discussion with us uh, and you can help us along. The first question is this. And this is your question. This is my question. When it comes to service, do I take full advantage of opportunities around me to serve Jesus daily? That's your question. That's my question. Do I take full advantage of opportunities around me to serve Jesus daily? You know, we've talked about this over the past couple of weeks. You know, the Good Samaritan didn't wake up one day, you know, planning to find a half-beaten Jewish man, you know, on the side of the road. The opportunity presented itself, and he responded. You know, David didn't rush to the front lines of the war waiting to fight Goliath. No, as you read the story, you discover that he was delivering lunch to his brothers when God called him to something else. Stephen didn't sign up for the miracle ministry at his church in Jerusalem. He signed up to help for the Meals on Wheels program, and God did something greater in him. I mean, there are opportunities around me and you every single day to serve Jesus, even when it seems like the most menial or the most routine task. And I hope that this, you know, can be of encouragement to you, you know, stay-at-home moms. You know, I'll just say that, you know, on this Mother's Day, to those of you that are stay-at-home moms, and and for you in your life, it's just one poopy diaper after another. You know, and you've got the art master because you change a poopy diaper, and an hour later, you're changing it again. You know, and and we've had this kind of conversation before uh, in our family. You know, I'll I'll be at work, the phone rings, my wife's on the other line, and she says, hey, one of your children has something to tell you, and that child gets on the phone to say, Daddy, I went poo-poo in the potty. All right. And you know that at that moment, it's your responsibility as parents to have a party over the phone. I mean, you celebrate this, you encourage this, you lift this up. But in the meantime, your wife is thinking to herself, is this what it has come to? Like, is, is this what I'm living for? Is this what I'm striving for? Or, or you're a mom and, and you not only work your full time job at home, but you also work a full time job at the office, you know, and so you wake up in the morning and work. And then you go and you drop your kids off at school or daycare. And then you go to that other job. You go to your full-time work. And then you get off of work only to come home and go back to work. And people are hungry and things need to be washed. And kids have these events to go to. And this one needs a drink in the middle of the night. And you're doing all these different types of things. And your middle schoolers rolling their eyes at you every moment. And is there a point that you ever think to yourself... You know, is there more than this? You know, is this the life that I signed up for? You know, could I really possibly be making a difference in this child's life? And in verse 5, it says, After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Moms, uh, on this special day today, you have no idea the work that you are doing in this world today when you make a commitment to raise your children. You know, every task counts, every opportunity matters. I mean, when you take full advantage of the opportunities around you to serve Jesus daily, you know, when you serve with the heart of Christ, no task is insignificant. When you have no idea the impact you are having on your child's life when you take on the heart of Christ in your own home. You know, men, for those of you that have gotten up at 5 a.m., and turned off the alarm, and taken the same shower to only look at the same newspaper, to eat the same bowl of Raisin Bran, 
you know, to take the same commute to work for the last 20 years, only to do it all over again the very next day. It's easy to forget or lose sight of the daily opportunities around us to serve Jesus. You know, are you taking advantage of those opportunities? You know, to the elementary school or the middle school or high school teacher here today. I mean, it's the same bratty kids every single day. You know, they stink, they need deodorant, you know, there's little appreciation. And you're a follower of Jesus and you're wondering, does this add up to anything? Does this make any sort of eternal significance? You have no idea the work that you are doing, the love you are demonstrating when you take full advantage of the opportunities around you to serve Jesus Christ. You know, if it's your kids, you know, it's a family member. It's a neighbor. It's the guy fixing your faucet. Are you taking full advantage of the opportunities around you each day to serve Jesus? Again, we'll look at this a little more next week. The second question is, do I need to say yes to a new opportunity to serve? Do I need to say yes to a new opportunity to serve? I'm so thankful for the men and the women, the students and the children that serve at Genesis Church every week. I mean, thanks to all of you who continually give of your time and your treasures to this place. And whether it's pouring a cup of coffee or helping somebody with directions or to find a seat or helping with arts and crafts, you know, in a kid's room or a middle school sleepover or here for a Saturday work project in this building, thank you for using your gifts. Thank you for serving here at this church for the greater cause of Jesus Christ. And as we grow as a church, it is going to be more and more critical for you to be able to say, if Genesis Church is your home, that I have a place on the team. You know, are you on the team yet? You know, one of the greatest ways that you can begin to take on the character of Christ and invite God to do his great work inside of us is when you say yes to opportunities in the church. Right now, we are in need of some more yeses. I mean, are are you serving somewhere right now? If Genesis Church is your home and you haven't found a place to serve, it's probably time. And we'd invite you to come be a part of that. You know, most of all of our ministries have opportunities to serve with with very minimal amount of time to even those who are willing to make greater commitments of time. But just jump in and try something. Today in your bulletin, there's a brief insert in there that just shows you some examples of various ministry teams that we have here at Genesis Church. Would you jump in and try something today? You know, do, do you need to say yes to an opportunity to serve right here now as a part of Genesis Church? Uh, you can mic- mark that on your card and drop it off the info hub as you leave. We'll have some people at the info hub today that can answer some questions about what we do. And if you sign up for Gen Kids, you're not signing up until the day of the great white throne judgment or something. I mean, it doesn't have to be forever. But would you be willing to try something? You know, would you be willing to try something? And here's the commitment that we'll make to you. Just try something for a while. If it's not a good fit, we'll help you find something else. But discover the rewards of being a part of what's happening on the inside here as people serve together. No task is too simple. No meaningless task here at Genesis. The last thing is this, the last question, then I wrap up. Ask this of yourself. Am I aware of the divinely appointed potential that might come from my willingness to serve? Am I aware of the divinely appointed potential that might come from my willingness to serve. Now, you and I have no idea what God may choose to do through one act of service. Moses didn't realize this. David couldn't have realized this. Stephen couldn't have realized this. A great story of just a guy who's doing some awesome things right now. There's a guy by the name of Blake McCoskey. 
And Blake McCoskey is the founder of a company called Tom's Shoes. I don't know if you've heard of Tom's Shoes or not, but they're growing very popular. Tom's is short for Shoes for Tomorrow. All right, Shoes for Tomorrow. His business strategy is pretty simple. For every person who buys a pair of shoes, one pair of shoes is donated to a child somewhere in the world who's in great need of shoes. Now, where did the idea come from? Well, Blake was off doing some mission work in Argentina, preparing to come back to the States one day when God moved in his heart as he recognized the reality that so many children around him were not wearing shoes. Uh, The people didn't have shoes and their feet were suffering because of it. And in that moment, he asked God, what can I do? God, can I help? You know, can I help one? Can I help two? Is there any way that I could help 50 or 100 or potentially a whole village? And at that moment, God put an invitation in his heart to serve. And only God could have known the potential of his one act of service. Today, Tom's shoes have given away over 600,000 pairs of shoes in four years' time. 600,000 pairs of shoes. And I thought you'd like to see this brief story. And this morning... Uh, I have a pair of women's size six pair of Tom shoes to whoever wants them first. I'm serious. Who wants them? I just need a hand. Come on, somebody just raise your hand. It's a free pair of shoes. There you go, right there, girl in the middle. Free pair of shoes for you. And uh, some child in Argentina today, uh, well, maybe not today, but they get a free pair of shoes. Uh, Here's where we close. Do, Do you and I realize that when we say yes to Jesus, when we make a commitment to serve, We have no idea the potential of what God may choose uh, to do through us. You know, it's it's one family helped. Uh, It's a life encouraged. It's the heart of a child radically changed and altered forever. Uh, Are you willing to serve? Think about that this week. We'll talk about that more next Sunday. Let's pray. God, uh, thank you for this church and for the commitment of those who serve here. Thank you for the calling that you've placed on our life to love you and to serve you in everything that we do. God, as we leave this place today, uh, we pray that you'd continue to reveal to us what it means to live the life of a servant, that we'd be willing to follow in your steps. We thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.